book five chapter eight of history of the reformation in the sixteenth century volume two by jean henri mel d'aubigne translated by henry beveridge this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter eight far from drawing back luther uniformly continued to advance and at this time struck one of his severest blows at error by publishing his first commentary on the epistle to the galatians on the third of september fifteen hundred and nineteen it is true the second commentary was superior to the first but still the first contained a forcible exposition of the doctrine of justification by faith every expression of the new apostle was full of life and god employed him to imbue the hearts of the people with divine knowledge christ gave himself for our sins said luther to his contemporaries it was not silver or gold that he gave for us nor was it a man or angels he gave himself himself out of whom there is no true greatness and this incomparable treasure he gave for our sins where now are those who proudly boast of the powers of our will where are the lessons of moral philosophy where the power and strength of the law our sins being so great that they cannot possibly be taken away without an immense ransom shall we pretend to acquire righteousness by the energy of our will by the power of the law and the doctrines of men what will all these cunning devices all these illusions avail us ah we will only cover our iniquities with a spurious righteousness and convert ourselves into hypocrites whom no worldly power can save but while luther thus proves that man's only salvation is in christ he also shows how this salvation changes his nature and enables him to abound in good works the man says he who has truly heard the word of christ and keeps it is immediately clothed with the spirit of charity if thou lovest him who has made thee a present of twenty florins or done thee some service or in some way given thee a proof of his affection how much more oughtest thou to love him who on thy account has given not silver or gold but himself received so many wounds endured a bloody sweat even died for thee in one word who in paying for all thy sins has annihilated death and secured for thee a father full of love in heaven if thou lovest him not thy heart has not listened to the things which he has done thou hast not believed them for faith works by love this epistle said luther in speaking of the epistle to the galatians is my epistle i am married to it his opponents caused him to proceed at a quicker pace than he would otherwise have done at this time eck instigated the franciscans of utterbock to make a new attack upon him and luther in his reply not satisfied with repeating what he had already taught attacked errors which he had recently discovered i would fain know says he in what part of scripture the power of canonizing saints has been given to the popes and also what the necessity or even the utility is of canonizing them however adds he ironically let them canonize as they will these new attacks of luther remained unanswered 
the blindness of his enemies was as favourable to him as his own courage they passionately defended secondary matters and said not a word when they saw the foundations of roman doctrines shaking under his hand while they were eagerly defending some outworks their intrepid adversary penetrated into the heart of the citadel and there boldly planted the standard of truth and hence their astonishment when they saw the fortress sapped blazing and falling to pieces amid the flames at the moment when they thought it impregnable and were hurling defiance at their assailants thus it is that great changes are accomplished the sacrament of the lord's supper began at this time to engage luther's attention he looked for it in the mass but in vain one day shortly after his return from leipzig he mounted the pulpit let us mark his words for they are the first which he pronounced on a subject which afterwards divided the church and the reformation into two parties in the holy sacrament of the altar says he there are three things which it is necessary to know the sign which must be external visible and under a corporal form the thing signified which is internal spiritual and within the mind and faith which avails itself of both had the definitions not been pushed farther unity would not have been destroyed luther continues it were good that the church should by a general council decree that both kinds shall be distributed to all the faithful not however on the ground that one kind is insufficient for faith by itself would be sufficient these bold words pleased his audience though some were astonished and offended and exclaimed this is false and scandalous the preacher continues there is no union closer deeper or more inseparable than that between food and the body which is nourished by it in the sacrament christ unites himself to us so closely that he acts in us as if he were identified with us our sins attack him his righteousness defends us but luther not deeming it enough to expound the truth attacks one of the most fundamental errors of rome the roman church pretends that the sacrament operates by itself independently of the disposition of him who receives it nothing can be more convenient than such an opinion since to it both the eagerness with which the sacrament is taught and the profits of the clergy are to be ascribed luther attacks this doctrine and maintains its opposite that is that faith and a right disposition of heart are indispensable this energetic protestation was destined to overthrow ancient superstitions but strange to say it attracted no attention rome overlooked what might have made her scream in agony and impetuously attacked the unimportant observation which luther threw out at the commencement of his discourse concerning communion in two kinds the discourse having been published in december a general cry of heresy was raised it is just the doctrine of prague unadulterated was the exclamation at the court of dresden where the sermon arrived during the christmas festivals it is written moreover in german in order to make it accessible to the common people the devotion of the prince was troubled and on the third day of the festival he wrote to his cousin frederick 
since the publication of this discourse the number of persons who receive the sacrament in two kinds has received an increase of six thousand your luther from being a professor of wittemberg is on the eve of becoming a bishop of prague and an arch heretic the cry was he was born in bohemia of bohemian parents he was brought up at prague and trained in the writings of wycliffe luther judged it right to contradict these rumours in a writing in which he gravely detailed his parentage i was born at eisleben said he and was baptized in st peter's church the nearest town to bohemia in which i have ever been is dresden the letter of duke george did not prejudice the elector against luther for a few days after he invited him to a splendid entertainment which he gave to the spanish ambassador and at which luther valiantly combated the minister of charles the elector's chaplain had by his master's order requested luther to use moderation in defending his cause excessive folly displeases man replied luther to spalatin but excessive wisdom displeases god the gospel cannot be defended without tumult and scandal the word of god is sword war ruin scandal destruction poison and hence as amos expresses it it presents itself like a bear in the path and a lioness in the forest i ask nothing i demand nothing there is one greater than i who asks and demands whether he stands or falls i am neither gainer nor loser it was obvious that faith and courage were about to become more necessary to luther than ever eck was forming projects of revenge instead of the laurels which he had counted on gaining he had become a laughing-stock to all men of intellect throughout the nation cutting satires were published against him eck was cut to the very heart by an epistle of ignorant canons written by Echolampadius, and a complaint against him probably by the excellent pirkheimer of nuremberg exhibiting a combination of sarcasm and dignity of which the provincial letters of pascal alone can give some idea luther expressed his dissatisfaction with some of these writings it is better said he to attack openly than to keep barking behind a hedge how greatly the chancellor of ingolstadt had miscalculated his countrymen abandoned him and he prepares for a journey beyond the alps to invoke the aid of strangers wherever he goes he vents his threatenings against luther melanchthon karlstadt and the elector himself from the haughtiness of his expressions says the doctor of wittemberg one would say he imagines himself to be god almighty inflamed with rage and thirsting for vengeance eck having in february fifteen twenty published a work on the primacy of st peter a work devoid of sound criticism in which he maintained that this apostle the first of the popes resided for twenty-five years at rome set out for italy in order to receive the reward of his pretended triumphs and to forge at rome near the papal capital thunders mightier than the frail scholastic arms which had given way in his hands luther was aware of all the dangers to which the journey of his antagonist would expose him but he feared not spalatin alarmed urged him to make proposals of peace no replied luther 
so long as he clamours i cannot decline the contest i commit the whole affair to god and leave my bark to the winds and waves it is the battle of the lord how can it be imagined that christ will advance his cause by peace did he not combat even unto death and have not all the martyrs since done the same such was the position of the two combatants of leipzig at the commencement of the year fifteen hundred and twenty the one was stirring up the whole papacy to strike a blow at his rival who on his part waited for war as calmly as if he had been waiting for peace the year on which we are entering will see the bursting of the storm end of book five chapter eight